listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show only on America's Web Radio. So we're glad to have you listening in today and uh, we've got a special guest on. He's our fill-in host every now and then and uh, also an expert on oil and we thought this was, we always do a show on winterizing and I thought that maybe we should do a show on summarizing and so that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what it takes to uh, summarize your car and get it ready for uh, the summer, the hot months, and we're going to talk about everything from pores to oil and all that kind of stuff. Are so, we, uh, we going to talk about sunscreen too, and sunscreen, particularly for you. Yes, yeah, on on the top of your little bonnet there. <laughs> anyway, we're glad to have everybody listening in, and uh, this is America's Web Radio, and. Uh, we're looking forward to a good show with Mr. James Dunst, and uh, he's down close to Orlando. So we're going to be talking with James, and um, I think it should be an interesting time. show. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. all the time. That it is. So anyway, James, welcome to the show. Hello. Yeah, James. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm here. There he is. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm so, here. did I did I hear you say it's summer all the time? Yeah. In Orlando. Well, I got to tell you, I worked for the citrus industry for a number of years, and the coldest temperature I saw was nine degrees. Wow. Wow. Boy, you had the burners going then. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The smudge pots. Smudge pots. Yeah, putting you know, out lots of. It. They stopped using smudge pots years ago because the fuel was too expensive. Hello? Yeah. That and... Uh, Environmental. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you with us. And um, are, you, are you saying you can't hear them? No, I can't hear. Well, check. So. I can hear you, but I can't hear him. Well, I can't do anything about that unless it's you got to be listening to him I through am. the. I am. Yeah. Okay. I well, and I can hear Jim, but he's up to number ten. <laughs> well, I. Well, we'll go a little bit louder on his yeah. mic. Better. Um, James, can you hear uh, Steve? Okay. I hear you just fine. Right, now it's better. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So anyway, let's let's get into it. What would, yes. James, what would you think uh, going into summer? And it looks like from Atlanta standpoint, anyway, it's going to be a hot one. Yes. And uh, so, what, what would your first consideration be about summarizing any kind of car, be it a classic car or just a late model car? Well, you know, just to give you a little information, I was the spokesman for the Glidden Tour, the media spokesman for AAA. Uh, it's a classic car tour. And on that tour, there were three problems that cropped up all the time. The first one, number one problem was fuel, fuel system problems. Number two was overheating problems. And number three was electrical problems. But uh, I had an auto repair center here in Central Florida for a number of years. And my number one repair in the summertime was overheating problems. Uh, you know, the, the famous last words when the car was overheating is I had to get to the next exit. And that next exit cost him a lot of money. Yes. Instead of pulling over and uh, waving a handkerchief. 
Yeah. Well, see, see the problem. The problem now on the old classic cars, where the cylinder heads and the engine block are both cast iron, when it overheated, you blowing steam out, you let it cool down, you fill it with water, and, or, and cool it, and away you go. The problem now is you have aluminum cylinder heads and a cast iron block, and you can't overheat them but one time, and it'll cause you problems because it'll up the head and blow the head gaskets. So it, it's something that I, I tell the people that I talk to that if you're experiencing overheating, uh, you need to pull over right away and shut it off because if you continue to drive, you're going to do serious damage to it. Well, I think a lot of people, when they talk about overheating, I don't, I, I don't think that they, they uh, I don't think a lot of the times the cars are overheating. I think it's just, you know, I, it, it, running an engine at 200 degrees is optimum, but you it, that's one of the reasons the new cars don't have temperature gauges on them. They just have an N, and they calibrate it so it stays below N, and it's running at 240. Uh, it's 200 is optimum. And people don't understand all that stuff. And if you go on any club forum uh, or particular make forum, overheating is probably the number one discussion and what to do about it. And a lot of people don't understand that the old cars, they didn't have, um, they didn't use antifreeze. Or they didn't have the sealed cooling system. They didn't have sealed cooling systems. There's a lot that goes into this old car overheating and uh, you know, it, usually on the interstate, it tells you if you're doing it on the, the interstate, uh, it's either an airflow problem or the timing is not working. The timing is too retarded. That's the two big causes of this stuff. And then, and, and simple thing, faulty thermostats. Uh, yeah. And, and people. I'm kind of losing you here. I'm not hearing you very well. Yeah. Okay, how about now? Better? Now I can hear you. Now Better? I can hear you. Yeah, well, and like the thermostats. I remember as a kid, my father changing on his cars winter and summer thermostats. Up north in Buffalo, you put a, a 180 or 195 thermostat in so you had heat, and then in the spring, they took them out and put a 160 in because if it's one, if it's a 160 thermostat, your car is going to run. It's fully open at 180. Yeah, it's re- 20 degrees, yeah. and, and uh, uh, a lot of people don't get that stuff. Well, and then also... Yeah. Most of the thermostat problems uh, in the years I worked in the dealerships in my business, most of the thermostat problems, the problem was right away. They never opened. So they had an overheating problem within uh, a few minutes of starting the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we in, when I worked for British Leyland, we used to, to sell what they call a... a uh, tropical thermostat which was just the ring of the thermostat with the guts cut out of it <laughs> and, and a lot of and this is another old thing people don't get is they 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 used to tell you they were then they, the old rumor was take your thermostat out and if you have a good water pump and efficient you the water doesn't stay in the radiator long enough and and uh, you have to slow it down See, the problem with taking a thermostat out on a newer vehicle, uh, all your fuel-injected vehicles, uh, there's a temperature sensor in the cooling system. Your air-fuel ratio is adjusted based on that temperature. Sure, so when it's cold, cold. cooler, it's going to run richer. So you can actually 
uh, ruin your gas miles by taking a thermostat. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, they're designed to run hot. They are, if you will, say warm. I've never seen an engine melt to the ground, so it's not going to hurt anything. It's, but you know, even on the new cars. No, but uh, James, you brought up a valid point with uh, the aluminum head and the cast iron block is popping the head gasket the first time it overheats. I'm not. I'm not hearing him. Oh, all right. Are you with me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I was just talking about the, the head gasket issue because a lot of people don't realize that. And and I think you covered that very well. I'm, I'm, I'm losing you. All right. Uh, you know, just we'll keep working on it. Anyway, uh, you know, would you suggest that, uh, like you do your central heating and air conditioning system, before summer starts, you take your car in and get it checked, and uh, same way in winter. Before winter comes on, you take your car in and get it checked for the right amount of antifreeze or whatever you want. And uh, like Jim mentioned earlier, the tires are very important as well. And we've, we've talked about that on previous shows, uh, that uh, the air pressure, how important it is to keep the air pressure constant and at the level that it's supposed to be. And a hot highway will certainly play a, a lot of difference in that. Right. What's interesting on the tire pressure, uh, as a AAA employee, we did uh, uh, inspections once a year for National Car Care Month where we ran cars through a line and we checked tire pressure and a whole bunch of other things. Eighty percent of the cars that came through that line had one or more tire that was low on pressure. And they say that the number one thing that we could do to save fuel in this country is air up our tires. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, sure. I agree with you. You know, and, and if you look on, on a car, and I do it on my trailer, I'm so anal about tire pressure. I have a t- uh, tire pressure monitor system for my car trailer. And I, you notice that on a, on a summer day, going down the interstate, like I'll be going to uh, New England before too long for the brass and gas tour, you'll pick up five, five pounds of pressure. Five to seven pounds of pressure, tire pressure on a car trailer. And that's very important stuff when you're towing a car trailer. Uh, and so it is extremely important to keep your, your tires at the recommended pressure on a new car. Of course, they're on the door. Uh, what was kind of interesting, I just found out on my car, for a lot of the guys that uh, don't know, I on my, Thunder, on my Cadillac, I have... Uh, the Diamondback radials, where they where they shave. Do you know you know those the, those things, James? Where they shave the outside off and 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 vulcanize a wide white wall tire to some of the old ones. Yeah, that that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, that's a pretty common thing now because guys want the radial tires and they want, but they want the wide white look. So uh, it was funny. I've been running uh, thirty. Give or take, I called the guy just for fun who owns Diamondback and got their tech engineer, and he said, no, that size is an LT or light truck tire. And if you look, he said, if you, the information is on the backside. He said, if you look at that, you're going to see maximum tire pressure uh, is uh, 70 to 80 pounds of pressure. It'll be written on the back. And he said, on that big heavy Cadillac, you should be running... No less than forty, closer to forty-five is the best. If you so, if anybody's running your light truck truck tires, they uh, that, that have been bonded and turned into wide whites for the big old classic cars, 
you should be pumping that pressure up. I got to ask, do they even still, when I was a kid and had a car and, and obviously trying to watch the dollars, every now and then I would buy a set of recaps. Do they still even no, do that? I, I don't think they can do it. I think it's illegal for passenger cars. Really? I didn't know. Yeah. You see it on the trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Bandag is the big one. Well, <laughs> I had a little experience putting uh, recaps on a car years ago, my own car. <laughs> oh, gee. Looking to, save, looking to save some money. And I think it only took about uh, a month and a half before all of them came apart. Well, I, you know, actually, I had fairly good luck with them when I was, you know, right I. Here. Oh yeah! Back in the sixties, you see, but you're on the interstate. You see inter- ele- oh, yeah. interstate alligators all over the place. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and big trucks blowing them out. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, just coming back, and I know you do a lot with gas and oil. Just coming back, driving the Thunderbird uh, up to Wilmington, North Carolina, and back. Um, when it was warm in the in the the afternoon, it was you know eighty five plus. <clears throat> Every now and then, I would get a a um, uh, hesitation, and I'd hit the electric fuel pump, and it would go away. What do you think the main cause of that was? Well, let, let me give you a couple of things on that. Uh, if you store your classic car, and you heard the term summer fuel and winter fuel, yes. There's a difference in them, and the difference has to do with the way they vaporize. In the wintertime, when it's cold, fuel vaporizes much slower than it does in the summertime. So what they do is they add chemicals to the fuel. In the wintertime, if you had low vapor pressure, you'd have hard starting. Uh, if you had that same winter fuel in the summertime, you would have vapor locking problems. And vapor lock is a big deal. If you have winter-grade fuel in there, uh, going into the summer, and a lot of the guys that I know that have classic cars, they don't drive them that much. They sit in the garage, so they may have some of that winter grade fuel in the tank, and they take it out in a summer day, and they've got problems because uh, uh, with vapor locking. And, and usually, the way a vapor lock happens, when you shut an engine off, uh, you'll notice on your temperature gauge that the temperature rises under the hood. It's because there's no longer any circulation of, of water in the engine. Well, if if you have some of this winter-grade fuel in there, or if you have fuel that has a high concentration of ethanol, because ethanol vaporizes quicker than gasoline, uh, it'll actually vaporize in the line. Yeah. And then you to- go to start it, and it doesn't want to start on you. James, James yes. we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back okay. and talk about vapor lock. Thank you. All right. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. To listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at 
give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with Mr. James Dunce down in Orlando, Florida. And James is with Bell Performance. And uh, the additives are fantastic. And I want to thank James for uh, sending some up to us. And uh, we appreciate that. And we... Uh, we uh, appreciate uh, your contribution to America's Web Radio. And our show today is centered around what you do in the summertime. Exactly. Uh, and uh, we're talking about Vapor uh, Lock and James. I'm going to turn it over to you. There you go. I had the wrong button on. Oh. Anyway, uh, you want to say it all again? <laughs> no, I just. Uh, we're talking about Vapor Lock and James. We're going to turn it back to you. You have spent a lot of time in the South in the heat, and I think you probably understand it as well as anybody. Oh, I sure do. And and understand that vapor locking was more of a problem in the past than it is now. Because on a fuel-injected vehicle, you have a high-pressure fuel pump in the fuel tank, which pressurizes the lines. But on the older vehicles, uh, vapor locking was a big issue. And, you know, I get this question all the time. I get questions from all over the world. And a common question is, is there an additive to prevent vapor locking? Which there isn't. There's no such thing. Vapor locking is caused by fuel uh, boiling within the, the fuel lines, uh, blocking the flow of fuel. Because on the older cars, you know, the fuel pressure is about 5 pounds per square inch versus now you're looking at uh, 45 PSI or higher on a fuel-injected system. But it's still possible. I had it happen to my own truck. And it was definitely a, a, a vapor lock. What I advise people, you know, we have E15 gasoline out there right now. Mm-hmm. Higher concentration of ethanol is to try to stay away from that because it's going to vaporize quicker than the gasoline does. And as I was saying before the break, uh, the most common uh, occurrence is after you might pull into a 7-Eleven to get a drink, you come back out, your car won't start. And uh, that what happens is underneath the hood, the temperature rises when you turn off the engine because you no longer have air circulating through the the, uh, radiator, and the temperature goes up for a a period of time. Well, if it goes up and there's no fuel passing through the line, it'll vaporize right there in the line and block the fuel. That's real common. Well, and and the other thing I, I have found on the older cars is some of us take the mechanical fan off the water pump and put an electric fan on the radiator which cools it better but we have gotten to the point that we now let the engine fan run for about 30 seconds to a minute after we shut them off and it seems to make a little bit of a difference I think the biggest thing you can do to help your cooling is keep the mechanical fan and put a decent one on and put a shroud on it push your fans 
pusher fans are approximately 30% less efficient. As an, uh, as an auxiliary, they're okay. Yeah. But you've got to get a good, you buy these little cheap, you look at Summit Racing and buy one of those little cheap pancake fans. Those things don't move a lot of air. You got in a good one is two three hundred dollars. Yeah, and I'll bet those little cheap pancake fans don't taste good either. Yeah, no, only only I use the sugar free syrup. Oh, oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. But but a uh, uh, question uh, going back to to gasoline, and I know this is one of the things that you do. We're fortunate in Atlanta to have Quick Trip here, and most of the Quick Trips now have non-ethanol gas. It's expensive. It's probably 50 cents more a gallon than, than uh, regular unleaded. Is the formulation of today's uh, non-ethanol gas equivalent to what we bought, say, in the 50s and 60s, or is it di- even that's different? The big, the big difference uh, between the two is the non-ethanol. They're still using the old octane was, see, first of all, they started off with lead. Lead was an octane uh, booster, and they had to get rid of that because it was getting in the groundwater. Then they went to MTBE. Yep. That's a uh, an octane, but it was getting in the groundwater, so they had to eliminate that. So then they went to ethanol as the octane. But the problem is the non-ethanol still has the MTBE in it. Here's the problem. MTBE is not compatible with ethanol. If you combine the two in the same tank, there's a chemical reaction that makes a brown gooey stuff that plugs up everything. Really? You have to be very, you have to be very careful about that. And if you're switching fuels, you should run your tank as low as possible before you switch over. Uh, most of this we see when the fuel, uh, the ratio is 50-50 with half ethanol and half uh, non-ethanol. What I tell people to do is use the ethanol fuel but treat it. Yeah, with like your ethanol defense stuff. Yes, yes. And, and what that does, what that does, is the ethanol is highly corrosive, and you can't eliminate the ethanol, but you you have to to treat the the problems that ethanol creates. And one of the biggest problems is the corrosion factor. Okay, if I put your product ethanol defense in with. Uh, uh, the ten percent that we don't have a lot of fifteen up here. You see it every now and then. Uh, the ten percent ethanol does that minimize somewhat the the possibility of the vapor lock or the the fuel stuff, or has no effect on that whatsoever. It'll do nothing for vapor lock. What it'll do is it will coat the parts internally and prevent them from corroding. Uh, I know so many people that use it full-time have no problems whatsoever with their fuel system. This stuff actually works. It really does work. Yeah, I bought a case. Yeah, I bought a case. It's called ethanol defense. Yeah, I bought a case. Uh, Yeah, this gas stuff is getting, you know, it's really goofy. And I don't know if we we talked about this one of the other times you had. I think we had the, the lady who owns a company that makes the ethanol test kits that the government uses and she said that they have found, and this is just the Atlanta area, where it's been 40 45% ethanol in certain gas stations. And she said around here, Quick Trip and Racetrack are the two best, consistent overall at, at 10%. And I don't know if that's true now, but this was a while back, so I'm sure you... Well, I can, yeah, I can tell you that that's not an accident. 
See, ethanol is not added at the refinery. It's actually added at the distribution, wherever the tank farm is where the tankers fill up. And uh, there's, and, and I'm not saying they all do this, but a fuel distributor, if they want to make more money on the load of fuel, they just have them add more ethanol to the tank because it costs less than what the fuel does. So, and I've seen that. I test fuel for the cities and counties in the area. And uh, the most I found was 16%. But even at 16%, it was a fleet of police cars. It cost them $1,900 in lost gas mileage. Because the higher your ethanol content, the lower your mileage is going to be because there's less energy in ethanol. Yeah, it's a huge political issue. But what's really funny, out you go out, out west where the, in farm country, and we've done several tours out in Nebraska and, and uh, Iowa and, and things like that. Every gas station has non-ethanol gas Yeah, <laughs> for, for the farm equipment. <laughs> yeah, we call it lawnmower gas here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well a, yeah. but I, I'll tell you something else. Every town's got a huge ethanol processing plant, too. Yeah, it's it's all politics at this point, well. I think. A lot of it is anyway. Uh, all right, let's uh, skip to a, a couple other things. Uh, go back a little bit to to we were talking about coolant. One of the things that always comes up when you're talking about, and I don't want to get into the, the Dex Cool and the Chrysler stuff and all that, uh, is the percentage um, the higher percentage that people run of uh, their antifreeze uh, the less efficient it becomes as far as heat transfer go so here in the south it's always been a traditional recommendation for people with old cars to run between 25 and 30 percent of antifreeze to still give you the corrosion protection, but uh, helps it transfer water better, having heat better in the coolant system. Uh, what have you found with that kind of stuff? The rule of thumb is 50 50. Uh, yep. You know, pure antifreeze uh, will freeze just below, a little bit below what water does. Yes. I don't understand the chemistry behind it, but it does do that. You had mentioned the Dex Cool and, and the different antifreezes. Uh, the caution that I have to give there is if you mix some of those antifreezes with ethylene, ethylene glycol, glycol antifreeze, it will actually thicken and block, block your radiator. Yes, it will. You have, be, you have to be very careful. Make sure that whatever you're putting in there is what the call, car calls for. Uh, one thing about heat transfer, and, and I can honestly say this as a technician all my life, I never had an overheating car or truck where antifreeze ever made the difference and fixed the heating uh, overheating problem. Never did. When there was overheating problems, there was always something else. I, I wanted to, to throw a couple other things out about uh, cooling systems. In, in the South, the cooling system is ignored. You don't think about it like you do in the North. In the North, every fall, everyone flushes and redoes their antifreeze. In the South, they don't do that. And the problem is antifreeze over a period of time will start to form acids in the, in the coolant. Sure. And when you have acids and you have different metals, you've got a battery. And what it does is it sets up a current path, and it'll actually eat up your radiator. It'll eat the fins off of the, uh, the water pump uh, and, and eat the uh, free plugs out of the side of the block. It'll do a lot of damage. And you can actually check it with a voltmeter. If you put a voltmeter in, your, uh, in the coolant and then touch the, 
radiator, the metal part, you'll actually get a voltage reading. Sure, and, uh, sure. We so used to tell, yeah. It really needs to be drained and flushed. We used to uh, tell IER technicians at the tech center, uh, at dollar dealerships, you, you do that, but don't let it touch. It put put one in and two tenths of a volt or less is considered acceptable. Lower is better. Lower is better. But we used yep. to tell them two tenths of a volt. Uh, but you can't touch the the metal when you used to drop the the uh, uh, voltmeter probe down into the antifreeze. And cool. they also have the tabs, the little tabs you can buy that uh, do the same thing. You, you don't know you're checking, but it just tells you good and bad <laughs> the 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 little deals. But uh, you know the other thing, and I, I don't know if uh, you know what always is funny is people buy this water wetter stuff and all of those other sort of uh, type of, of uh, uh, additives for their car, and they don't read the little bottle or can that it comes in. And if you have a 50-50 mix, it, you put whatever it tells you the percentage, to, a number of bottles to add for the volume of the cooling system, it's only going to drop it two-tenths of a, uh, it's only going to drop it two degrees. James, with that being said, we got to take our second break. We'll be back with James Dunce on the Classic Car Show and Mr. Ronaldo and Mr. Weber. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on the Classic Car Show with our guest, Mr. James Dunst from uh, Orlando and uh, Bell Performance, talking about summarizing your car. And, you know, it's as important, uh, for, and maybe even more so because of the overheating problem, to summarize your car and uh, do it like you do your heating and air in your house you know you you have the heating and air guy out in the spring and you have him out in the winter or in the fall to make sure you're ready to go and you should make sure before you particularly if you're going to go on the road and take a long trip in your car you know we had a i had a uh, 91 mercedes that diesel mercedes that i love that car absolutely loved it but it had every year Every year it had a heating problem in the summertime. And uh, we we traded out uh, thermostats 
every year. We did everything we could think of, and it just was going to run a little bit hot. And uh, all I tried to do was keep it from running too hot. And, uh, you know, we had the mechanic check it. We had this. We had that. And and it just was going to run hot if you took it out on the road, which that should be where it runs the coolest. No, not really. That's where it runs the hottest. On the road? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Consistent. That engine's consistently working very yeah. hard. And 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 running at higher speeds. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot. 110, huh? At 110, I thought I was trying to cool it off. Lucky if you got that thing at 110. Well, that was downhill with a tailwind. No, no. In that car, it was no. You didn't have to worry about going fast. But again, there's 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 low. There's a difference, right, James, between high speed and low speed overheating. High speed is airflow. When you when you get above about 30 miles an hour, you don't even need a fan. No. Yes, you have enough ram air coming through there. Uh, hmm. One of the other things I want to mention has to do with the clutch fans. Some of the older cars have clutch fans, and uh, that's a thermostatically controlled fan that, when the engine is cold, uh, the clutch is tightens up so that the fan will heat the engine up quicker. And when it gets hot, it's supposed to. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I kind of kind of uh, crossed myself up here. When it when it's cold. Uh, it's going to be loose, and the, by being loose, it's not going to turn the fan as well, and it's going to cause the engine to uh, warm up quicker, faster warm up. When it gets hot, there should be a drag on that clutch, and what I find a lot of times is you can spin it when it's hot, and if it does that, you need a clutch fan. Yeah, or replace it, replace it with like a flex fan or something. Yeah, yeah. and and you know. A, couple other things on the overheating that I wanted to mention um, is people, they don't change their hoses like they should, especially, well, anywhere in the country. And hoses need to, the heater hoses and radiator hoses, they need to be changed about every 50, 60,000 miles. And what I do a lot of times, if you squeeze the hoses and you feel a little crunchiness inside, you better change those hoses, otherwise you're going to have a blowout. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. That happens. Or, or if it's on the intake of the water pump, I've seen them actually suck the hose together, and you get no flow. And, it, and 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 the faster you go, the smaller that opening gets. That's why they put a, a coil. Spring yeah, you buy a there. spring. Yeah, yeah. The cheap ones, the 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 cheap hoses don't have that, but the good ones have that spring inside to to prevent that from 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 happening. Does your does uh, your company make any kind of a coolant additive you know that they don't and i and i suggested to them what they really should do is they should have an acid neutralizer that you use before you flush your system because if you have acid in the system you know it's just like adding baking soda to a battery terminal uh to to go ahead and neutralize any of the acid inside the engine but so far they haven't done that they're so busy with their gas and diesel additives yeah how about you you remember and you still buy them the the Pronounced Gano filter, Ganto, Gano, Gano thing that you buy and stick down the sacrificial anode inside oh, the yeah, uh, yeah. inside the radiator Especially hose. All aluminum. Colors. Yeah, 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 and it goes yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, it's just like on a boat. You know, if you have an outboard motor, they've got zinc. It's zinc is what it is. It's sacrificial anode. So the current travels between those anodes and destroys that and not the foot on your boat motor. Yeah. Yeah. That thing has been around. Yeah. One other thing on the heating. The reason cars do not overheat as much anymore 
is with fuel injection, where the air-fuel ratio is actually controlled. Uh, in the past, if you sprung a vacuum leak and it was running lean, it ran hot. And now, if it runs lean, the computer adjusts the fuel, enriches it up. And the whole purpose of the EGR is to cause the fuel ratio to richen to drop the cylinder temperature inside the cylinder. So, and that that really affects, and it affects more than just that. Because when you overheat one, not only do you do damage to your head gasket, but you'll do damage to your piston rings because you, you lose the tension and then you consume oil after that. Yeah, there's a lot of ramifications for engines running uh, uh, ru- running hot with this stuff. Um, let's let's talk about one other thing. Okay, I, uh, bugs in the radiator. Plug in, in the radiator. Florida, in Florida, yeah, especially. especially it's love bug season down there, isn't it? Oh, it is right now, and it's a problem. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, I remember as a kid, you did two things: you put a screen in front of the radiator, and you put Vaseline all across the front of the, you know, on the paint to save the paint. But do, do people ever put screens in front of their radiator anymore? Or does anybody ever check the radiator uh, f- to see if the front of it's plugged? You should, but see, most of the people with with love bugs, uh, you've heard of the product called Pam. PAM. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them spray the front of the car with that. Yeah. But it, it's it's important on these love bugs that when when you get back home that you wash them off because they their their uh, body is is high in acid. And they'll actually eat the paint. They'll eat holes in the paint. Yeah. So you got to make sure you clean it off. Oh yeah, those things, especially in Florida. I mean, that, that you, you see it. Some of them it looks like a uh, the the sky is turning black. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've had my entire windshield blacked out depending on where you are uh they're not too bad here right now but if you get out where, where you have the marshes and swamps and stuff like that they seem to be uh, a lot more prevalent there yeah. but uh, they are a mess they create a big mess all right let's uh uh talk about oil um i know a lot of the old car guys uh still in insist on on running Thirty weight engine oil, and some of the old Straight. ones you can go for the non detergent oil if they can find it. Yeah. And uh, what are your thoughts on a, a straight weight, or let's just pick a Model A Ford, uh, which is extremely common versus ten W thirty winter and summer? You know, I'm glad you asked me this because in my entire life of working on engines, I have never seen where a particular oil or oil weight has caused a problem. Never. Hmm. And what what we do, it, 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 and this is something I ran into recently, I took my wife's car in to have the oil changed because I, had, I don't want to deal with waste oil. So I took it into one of these quickie uh, changes, and I said, I want, on, on the cap on the engine, it says 5W20. But I said, I'm in Florida, I want 5W30. That wouldn't change my oil. He said, no, I can't do that. He said, this thing is supposed to have 5W20. And I looked at him and I said, how, do, how does Ford Motor Company know whether I'm in Florida or I'm in Fairbanks, Alaska? You know, it's still going to say the same thing on there. But uh, the big thing with oil, synthetic versus regular oil, synthetics are great because you don't have the uh, viscosity changes and you don't have the acid buildup in the oil like you do with, with conventional oils. So... I would use if I had an old plastic car right now. I'd use synthetic oil. I do too. I use I use I use usually ten thirty or ten forty, 
uh, synthetic on all my cars, except for the, the the real old ones, because I get an oil change every time I drive one. Because <laughs> they have no seals, and they leak and throw oil all over the place. That's uh, the Model T I had. Uh, they didn't worry about oil leaks. Of course, they didn't worry about roads then. <laughs> no, no, it was that you drove those to keep the dust down on the dirt roads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. yeah. There you but go. but I I you know I'm with you. I don't think it matters a lot as long as you keep up with it. Uh, the only reason that the, the the lower viscosity is to 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 get the oil up into the engine quicker and faster. Uh, where thirty weight oil, I know I've some of my cars are hand crankers. And, in, and when it's cold, you try to hand crank a car with with forty weight oil in it. It's like you're pushing that crank through 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 d- dish of mustard. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard. like trying to turn the whole car over. Oh yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a firm believer, in, uh, you know, the the synthetics because of the the uh, less acid and and. Uh, uh, 1030, 1040 for, for most of the, the older cars is just fine. Yeah. Well, the synthetics, especially if I, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and if I were back there, synthetics is what I would use because you don't have the viscosity change where it thickens like motor oil. I tried one time, I had a can of 20 weight oil in the trunk of my car, and I wanted to pour it into the engine. I had a hard time getting it to come out of the bottle. Yes, uh, it, it was it was below zero. I think it was about five or ten below zero, and it wouldn't hardly come oh, out. Oh yeah, but yeah. But one of the other the, the other thinking on these lighter oils is is fuel mileage. Uh, anything that uh, is lighter like that causes less friction. I don't know how you could measure that, but uh, it actually has to do with that. Plus, to get oil up to the components quicker if you're in a colder climate, they use zero W twenty uh, on a lot of these new cars. Yeah, and further north, some of them. Uh, I have uh, we have some some good friends that live in Alaska, and they use zero, mm-hmm. just zero. The vis- <laughs> you know that's that's because it's always cold up there. It never yeah. gets warm. Yeah. And this stuff. Any any other areas that you think uh, should require attention when you get your car out of storage? Uh, if we're talking newer vehicles, I definitely would. <laughs> would want to talk a little bit about air conditioning. Uh, that's a big problem where a lot of people make mistakes on that. that that's uh, that's huge. Also, batteries. Uh, most people uh, don't understand how a battery has to be tested. And a uh, battery that's failing in that high heat or that extreme cold can fail on you. So there's some things to know about that. You know, I want to uh, bring up something that we did in my office before we came in the studio. And uh, we have uh, Jim Weber here, who is an expert with the rags. But other than that, uh, is the outside of your car and taking care of it. Uh, I know in the office building that I'm in, uh, we have attack birds here that uh, will turn a car from black to white uh, during the day. And we also have uh, trees that uh, decide they're going to put a little coat on on your car as well and how important it is for the uh for the outside of your car to get it washed and get yeah. that stuff off because it will uh, the birds will um, definitely hurt your finish as well as uh, tree sap mm-hmm. yep. yeah. and you know they actually have done studies where they took a vehicle and waxed it 
you know, before they waxed it, they went ahead and checked fuel mileage, and after they waxed it, they did fuel mileage again. And you and picked it up good mileage. Yes. And you can Google this, and you can read about it, And I, which I found amazing. I thought they were joking when I first heard that. No, no. Uh, no well, race cars. Yeah. Uh, Bonneville. Yeah, I mean, those guys are waxing all the time. Anything to pick up a tenth of a mile. But the thing David brought up, of course, we, we have pine trees down here, and, and pine tree sap is awful. And especially with this clear coat, uh, base coat, clear coat, it just goes right through the clear coat, just like, like bird droppings in South Florida. I've seen cars down there that if you don't wash them frequently and it sits on it for a week between humidity and it, it gets humid down there and it just it, that stuff turns into acid and you mentioned it on love bugs same thing you've got it got to clean it's funny it. you should talk about bird dropping Uh-oh. our house is situated between two ponds Uh-oh. and every once in a while one of these big old birds will come across here yep. and bomb our vehicle <laughs> and, and I'm just glad that I'm not standing out there when it happens. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, with, uh, with leaving that thought in everybody's head, we're going to take our uh, last break. We'll be back with James Dunst on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show right after this. Your auto love and investment demands the best. And for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with our guest, Mr. James Dunst, today. And uh, we're talking bird droppings. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's a subject that everybody understands. As I said in the other room, it's a good thing cows don't fly. That's true. Yeah. So. yeah. You have well, any I, flying cows down in uh, Florida? No. But I, I laughed. My wife took a car through the car wash the other night. It was just starting to get dark. And uh, came home here, went in the house for a little bit. I always go out and make sure that they're locked. When I went out there, it was covered from one end to the other with just white whatever. Yeah. Well, I made it a better target. Oh, yeah. Say. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes it'll get both of our vehicles at the same time. <laughs> wow. But, um, I'm thankful that I'm never out there when it happens. Yes. Well, uh, the moral of that story is I, I think if I were you, I'd wear a cap. 
Well, yeah, and yeah. don't look up. Yeah. Don't look up. Yeah. yeah. But outside of that, washing your vehicle frequently and always keeping a good coat of wax on it is probably the best protection you can do outside of a car cover. So uh, uh, that's my best recommendation. And tree sap, get it off of there. Yeah, and some of it, like you, with the tree sap, it's more than just washing. It's taking some of the well. well yeah, you have to, I, I use. I use. I mean, there's there's tar remover. You can buy it, but I've also used kerosene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's, it it can be vicious. Up yeah, there. but it takes the wax off, so you yeah. got to rewax the car. Well, do what I do. Don't wax them. <laughs> I don't. I hate cleaning cars. I, I know I, you do. I, I know. I could care. Let me ask you a, 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 another sort of a lubrication question. We were dri- when we were driving the Thunderbird over to Wilmington. As it, after a while, after driving and everything heated up and got normal, I noticed a little wine coming from the differential. And I don't mean Chardonnay. Well, was that wine on acceleration? Or both, I, a little of both. You could pull so I think the, the pinion gear is off. But I, I checked the owner's manual, and they say 90-weight gear lube. And I went on the Thunderbird website, and they said that's fairly common so those guys are recommending using 85 or 90 140 gear lube. I don't think that's going to be any kind of an issue as long as it's GL4, GL4 rated stuff. I think it'll be fine. Maybe help cut down the noise. It, it was something that no, mo, just because I do this stuff, I notice it. A lot of people would never even yeah, notice yeah, but it. Yeah, just stick a banana in it. That'll quiet it yeah. down. So, what are your thoughts on on, on bumping it to, to eighty or ninety one forty? That's a pretty common. There's nothing wrong with that. What What was strange about what you just said, though, is I asked you if it was on the coast and uh, acceleration. Yeah. You know, when you're under acceleration, it's on one side of the ring gear. When you're on deceleration, it's on the other side. Yeah. yeah. Usually, when you have a wind from the the uh, differential, it has to do with the acceleration side, not the coast side. But it's not something that'll come and go uh, with the heat. If you have a ring and pinion that's incorrectly uh, installed or if it's wearing, uh, that's not going to come and go. It's going to be there and it's going to stay there. A lot of times what I hear, especially with automatic transmissions, is you're getting planetary gear noise. um, And it's mistaken for uh, differential noise. Yeah, the, the old Fordomatics are pretty damn primitive. The, the, this one doesn't even have an oil cooler. It has an yeah. air scoop. <laughs> it does. Oh, it has an air yeah. scoop. That's how they cooled them. Yeah. And and so I'm going to try that uh, 85 or 9140, whatever I can find at Napa today, just to see what if it makes any difference. I thought you were going to get Jim the monkey and throw a banana in. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's an old, that's what's the old, that and sawdust. Sawdust, yeah. yeah. That was the old used, used car trip. car dealers. Yep. Used car dealers. And cardboard floorboards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any other that. things that, you know, uh, your car's precious bodily fluids that you think we need to, somebody really needs to address in the when they get their car out for the summer driving season? Well, one area, if it's a newer car from the 50s on, if you have air conditioning, uh, I see a lot of mistakes done uh, with air conditioning. The other day I came out at Bell and there was a guy out in the parking lot and he's adding something to the AC system. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm adding some oil and I have a leak and, and I'm adding some oil to the system. I think that'll help it, which huh. it won't. Uh, 
when you have when you have an AC system, if you um, if you are replacing a component or if you have an AC hose that that actually blows, the Freon actually takes the and, and transmits the oil around through the system. That's the only time that you should ever have to add oil to a system. But I see people buying these quick recharge do-it-yourself kits. Yeah, and this is this is dangerous because everybody kind of equates that if it's not cooling, it's always Freon, and that's not true. Uh, it can be that the uh, the compressor is not running. It can be in the vent system on the inside of the vehicle. And each system has a certain amount of Freon that should be in the system. And uh, if you do have a leak and they all leak over time, you don't know how much is in there. So if you go ahead and you add Freon, let's say you're a half a pound low on Freon and you add a pound, now you run the risk of breaking the compressor by slugging the compressor with liquid Freon. The only proper way to recharge a system is to drain it completely out, put a vacuum on it, and the vacuum, what that does is uh, the, uh, water boils at 17 inches of vacuum at sea level. And so what it does is it takes any moisture out of the system, and then you put in the exact amount that's listed on the tag on the vehicle. That's the only way to do it. And then understand you have different, uh, on the classic cars, the older cars, you've got the R12 refrigerant, and now they use what's called 134A. And they are different trans, and you you uh, can't mix them. Uh, you have to make sure. And R12 is almost impossible to find anymore. And if you do find it, it's like a hundred dollars a pound. Yeah, it's really uh, yeah. expensive. Yeah, and you you hit yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head. You've got to evacuate that whole system, and yeah. then recharge it. But but here's the other thing with pag oil: uh, too much pag oil in the thing, and and it won't cool either. Right, Jim? Well, if you, have oil, see, if you have too much oil, it'll reduce the cooling. Yeah. But, again, what I worry about when adding a lot of oil is the same thing if you add too much Freon. You'll end up with that liquid. You can't compress a liquid. So if it ends up in the compressor, it's going to break something. Yeah. James, and, James uh, would you say there's a time for DIY and a time to take it to people that know what the hell they're doing? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yes. I, I think they need to take it to people that know what they're doing. You know, in order to find the leak, there's a couple different ways to find the leak. Um, if you look at the hoses where the uh, where the metal clamps onto the hose, if you see an oil film there, that's an indication you have a small leak. Uh, the other thing you can do, they, the people can add dyes, and again, I'm care- be careful when you do this, but they'll add a dye to the system. The problem with that is a lot of times it's the evaporator corn, you can't see it anywhere. Uh, the best way is electronic leak detectors. That's what I use. Yeah, me too. I've yeah. got all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I just advise people to stay away from those do-it-yourself kits. Take it to somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing, especially if the car's in warranty. I just I want to go back. I want to go back to to Steve saying he's got the equipment. Do you check your Model T with that equipment? <laughs> <laughs> have, have you found where to put uh, to put that? The air conditioning in? on a Model T is very simple. You fold yeah, the windshield down. <laughs> Just fold the windshield in half, yeah. Yeah, and you're good. The bottom half or the top half? Some they did make an accessory yeah. where the bottom folded yeah. up too. Yeah. But but I can remember vent windows to too that you adjusted where they well, go in on you. You know. One of the TDs we had when I was a kid, we would take the windshield rubber seal off the bottom and just let air come in that way, too. 
in that when it was real hot in the summer. So and listen to the whistle. Yeah. As you went down the well, road. the old cars, you know, and then another thing that was always popular, and I know James, you've seen these things, are the the swamp coolers hanging out of the, the <laughs> window. <laughs> uh, they don't work in Florida. They no. don't work anywhere where there's humidity. <laughs> well, how about you got to do you got to do that in Arizona? Yeah, yeah, that's a desert tool only. How, how they look cool, and you buy one of those, you get a set of curb feelers to go with it. Oh, oh do you? Yeah, and and. Reflectors for your mud flaps. Yep. Yeah. Um, the other one was remember the old canvas bag that you hung oh, yeah. on the bumper yeah. with, with water in it. Yeah. yeah. There, there was a lot of lot of lot of funny hokey old stuff. Yeah. I love the a lot of times in the Georgia Tech Engineering Car Club <laughs> magazines. They'll every so often they'll feature some. They'll have a story about some of these kind of weird yeah. things. Fish carburetors. Fish carburetor, yeah. And the toilet paper oil filter. Yep. Now, Jim likes, or James likes those, right, James? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> as long as it's Charmin, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the big old trucks now, they have what they call a bypass filter, where it samples maybe, it takes maybe a, a small amount of oil, and it runs it to filters that are like one micron. And... Uh, what that does is it, it, they use these on buses and big trucks and stuff like that. And it's something like that. It's not a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Anything uh, particular to diesels? We've been talking about cars. What about anything particular to diesels that you think should be done in the spring? Well, if the vehicle's been sitting all winter, it's stuff that really needed to be done before winter. Uh, diesel fuel gets microbes in it, if, especially if you have any water in the in a tank, and most of them do. Uh, sitting there all winter long, and it'd be growing microbes. And you go to run the vehicle in the summertime or in the spring, and it plugs up your filters. Biocides and stabilizers should be added in the fall if you're parking it. Uh, stabilizers change fuel chemically so that it doesn't break down as quick, and the biocide will kill anything that's in there. So nothing really super special other than the, the the filters and all that stuff. Correct. Yeah, and and I assume you put it away with a full tank of diesel fuel. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, what haven't we covered, James? Let's. How about well, the website for Bell Performance? You know, Bell Bell Performance. Uh, is they have a website that has uh, articles on just about anything you want. And I wrote a lot of them. Uh, but it's beltperformance.com. Uh, and we also have all of our products on there. Uh, also, there's a section if you want to ask me a question. Uh, you can ask me a question, and I'd be happy to answer it. We do this through email. Uh, or in some cases, you can actually call me. And I do this. Uh, I get questions from all over the world, from Australia and uh Europe and the Middle East, everywhere. I don't call them. I don't let them call me. But um, I do do a lot of emailing back and forth trying to help them. Biggest problem is information. Because when somebody says, I've got a problem, i got 15 questions to ask them. And it's yeah. kind of hard to do uh, that on email. Yeah. But the, the website is bellperformance.com. Um, that's where all of the blogs are, and that's where you can order products from us, too. James, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us today, talking about summarizing your car. And uh, we look forward to you being back on in the near future, as always, uh, bringing information that uh, a lot of us don't have. And yeah. we appreciate it. And 
Happy to do it. Happy thank to do thank it you. See you later. It's always a pleasure. Take care. Thank, Take care, guys. Take care.